inventors and their inventions. Welcome to Radio Cade, a podcast from the Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention in Gainesville, Florida. The museum is named after James Robert Cade, who invented Gatorade in 1965. My name is Richard Miles. We'll introduce you to inventors and the things that motivate them. We'll learn about their personal stories, how their inventions work, and how their ideas get from the laboratory to the marketplace. This morning, we have Dr. Nancy Denslow from Banyan Biomarkers. Uh, Welcome, Nancy. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Nancy, um, tell us a little bit about yourself before we we jump into asking you about the technology and its application. It's just sort of uh, where were you born? Were you raised? uh, How did you end up at the University of Florida? Well, my dad was a diplomat, so I was actually born in Mexico City while he was stationed there. And I lived there six years, and then after that, I lived in Quito, Ecuador for six years, and then in Istanbul, Turkey for three years. So I was a junior in high school before I came back to live in the United States. And um, from there, I graduated from high school in Virginia, Northern Virginia, and then went to college at Mary Washington College in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which at the time was an all-girls school, and majored in chemistry. What made you decide to go into chemistry? Was, was this something um, from a little girl that you're interested in, or was it a good high school teacher? What formed that decision? Actually, I was petrified of science really? <laughs> while I was growing up, but then I had an excellent teacher in high school, and that's what turned my mind about it. And so that just goes to show what good teachers could do. So your undergraduate was in chemistry, is that that's correct? That's right. Okay. And then you, uh, your graduate work, you continued in uh, chemistry and biology, is that correct? Uh, no. So um, the last year in chemistry, I had a course in biochemistry, and I thought it was just really interesting. So... I continued biochemistry and molecular biology. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about the technology here, the the, uh, thing that you invented. Um, The company is called Banyan Biomarkers. Tell us a little bit what are biomarkers, um, but tell it uh, to me as if I were a six-year-old who doesn't know anything about anything, and it's not that hard for me to pretend. But really tell us how the technology works and what it does. Okay. So a biomarker is um, another method or is a method to identify an illness, let's say. So in the case of traumatic brain injury, which is what our technology is about, we've identified proteins that actually make it into the bloodstream. And these proteins can be detected by a specific assay that we've developed so that you can determine the extent of the brain damage by these biomarkers, by measuring the proteins in the blood. So basically, the technology is based on determining that these proteins are in the blood, and we have antibodies that we've identified that are very specific to these proteins. And so it's a blood test. And based on blood tests, you could tell that a person has had traumatic brain injury. So, for example, a, a football player, a soccer player, whatever, um, someone involved in an accident, they just come in, they give a, a regular blood test like for anything else or a, a donation of blood, and then you can run this uh, through an assay and figure out if there are biomarkers. Is that correct? Right. So you, you would take a blood sample, and then you would run it through the assay, and it would tell you the extent of the damage 
and that there has been traumatic brain injury. So it's a way that perhaps one can avoid going for an MRI, Got it. Okay. which is a lot more expensive. Right and has radiation associated with it. And so instead, you would get a value that says, well, maybe you should stay in the hospital for more observation, or no, you know, it's not really too bad, you could go home. So is an MRI, is that the existing best technology or the most frequent one to identify traumatic brain injury? It is. Okay. So this sounds like it would be a lot easier and a lot cheaper. (laughs) Is that really the main benefit of the biomarkers? Well, I think it's a lot cheaper Mm -hmm. and easier, as you've mentioned. But also, there's a potential that you may be able to track the recovery from the traumatic brain injury. I see. You know, we haven't tested that totally, but it seems like it might be able to track recovery. So in in theory then, or maybe in practice, does somebody come in multiple times over a given time period and it's just much easier to see what's going on? Uh, yes. Okay. So a person could maybe be in the emergency room and they could take a blood test over several hours and maybe you could get an idea of how stable that is or how stable the person is and whether they could go home. So right now, the application that you have hit upon is traumatic brain injury. Does it, does the biomarkers or do they have the capacity to track other types of pathologies or illnesses? Well, so we're looking into that now. Okay. Uh, We haven't established that yet. Right. But there's a potential. Nancy, tell us, what was sort of the process? Was there an aha moment or was it sort of a series of insights that got you to develop the biomarkers? Well, actually, this is a collaboration between three of us. It was um, Dr. Ron Hayes and Dr. Kevin Wang and myself. And so Dr. Ron Hayes and Dr. Kevin Wang are neurobiologists that have been studying traumatic brain injury for quite a while. And my part was the proteomics part, where it's sort of a new science where you can study all of the proteins in a particular incidence And so we came together to figure out what was going on with traumatic brain injury and had the insight to look for these particular biomarkers in the blood. It was our idea that, well, if they were in the brain, they would probably get through the blood-brain barrier and appear in the blood. And if we could just detect them in the blood, then we would have a really good assay that could be beneficial to a lot of people. So was there one particular moment in which you realized, "We've, we've got it, this is it, we've done it? or kind of just a slow dawning of... You know, we we first could detect this, of course, uh, not in people, but in rats. And we could detect it in in the brain and in the CNS fluids and so on. But it was thinking about whether they could be found also in the blood that spurred us to continue to try to develop this and to develop antibodies that would be able to detect very minute amounts of the protein in the blood. So it was just a series of steps that got us to the point where we are now. After you you came through uh, or developed the breakthrough, you, you formed the company, Banyan Biomarkers. Tell me a little bit about that. What, what is the market that you're looking at? Who, who is going to be the primary customer of, of this technology? So I think there'd be a lot of people that might be interested in this technology. For example, the military would be one for sure, right. because they have a lot of people out where they could get hurt and with blasts and so on. And so they have really spurred us to develop the technology because they thought it would be very useful for the military. And then, of course, football players mm-hmm. and 
other people of that sort or people who are in car accidents that might have had some kind of a traumatic brain right. injury or people just falling downstairs. So I think that there's quite a bit of a market for this. So I'm assuming that there's a, a real clinical advantage to having the ability to do this more quickly. So first of all, is it more rapid than an MRI? I'm, I'm assuming that it's just a lot easier and faster to go in, get the blood, do the assay, and come to your conclusions rather than an MRI. Is that correct? Uh, that's true. And right now we're looking at various different partners that have platforms and hospitals and emergency rooms where they could put these antibodies on their platforms where everybody's used to using those particular instruments already and get a very quick readout. Right now, the assay is probably about an hour or so, but it's possible that with different platforms that we could even shorten the time. So yeah, I could I could see like in a battlefield situation or someplace where you obviously don't have access to an MRI, you could get a pretty good reliable result very, very fast. We want to develop a point of care instrument that wouldn't even have to be in an emergency room or anything like that, uh -huh. but could be out with the medics, right. you know, in the battlefield. Wow, amazing. We're not there yet. Not there yet. So no. uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the, the progress of the, the company. What um, what would you say has been your, your biggest success to date? And then and then if you want to share maybe your biggest setback to date in, in developing the technology. Well, I think the biggest success was we went into partnership with some new people that are based in California. And in fact, our CEO is in California right now. And the people in the company that have developed the assay as it stands now are totally amazing. So they were very particular and very specific about meeting quality standards and making sure that the assay was sensitive and not overselling the assay as to what it could do and just being really very specific about what the assay could do. And then we ran a um, clinical trial with 2,000 different blood samples. Some were controls and some were traumatic brain injured people. And uh, the samples were then sent to two different laboratories to run the test. So the company didn't run the test themselves, but sent the assays out to two independent laboratories to run the assays. And then they came back with just fantastic results. And so this is what we took to the FDA, and this is what the FDA approved. So I think that that was just amazing to me how well that worked. In terms of setbacks, you know, you think an antibody's working really well as you're developing it, and then you find that it's not quite what you need, so you have to go back and you have to make a new one. And so there were always two steps forward, one step back. It's not that you could just go in and have the idea and do it. You just have to have the hard work right. that goes with it. So a final question, uh, somewhat similar. What, what has been your biggest surprise in all this as you developed the technology? Or, you know, did you have people that you thought would love it and didn't, or vice versa? Did you, did you find people who were really interested in technology that you hadn't thought about? Well, I think that as we're developing this technology, people are becoming more used to um, traumatic brain injury and football and what that might cause uh, long-term uh, problems to uh, football players, that there's just been this, this whole interest in the whole country about doing something about traumatic brain injury. And here we were doing it. So right. that was just amazing how well that's worked out. Nancy, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Radio Cade would like to thank the following people for their help and support. Liz Gist of the Cade Museum for coordinating inventor interviews. 
Bob McPeak of Heartwood Soundstage in downtown Gainesville, Florida for recording, editing, and production of the podcasts and music theme. Tracy Collins for the composition and performance of the Radio Cade theme song featuring violinist Jacob Lawson. And special thanks to the Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention located in Gainesville, Florida.